Well, good morning again, everyone. My name is Ryan Alexander, and I serve as the lead pastor here. It's so good to be with you at both of our campuses, and also to all of you who are joining us live or later online. We believe the Lord led you here. I know there are guests with us as well, and I even talked to a few people who said they were here for the first time uh, last weekend on Mother's Day. Did we have a Mother's Day here at Hosanna last weekend? We absolutely did. Uh, Pastor Julia and Jen, my wife, gave a, a great message. John Holtz, Julia's husband, uh, we, we were in Shakopee and we were talking as they were preaching. He said, they did a great job with that message we wrote for them. <laughs> Just kidding, kind of. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. Uh, anyway, you can check it out online. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward to receive our tithes and offerings. I want to thank you in advance. For those of you who consider Hosanna your church home, thank you, thank you for your faithful uh, biblical, and when it's biblical, it's joyful uh, giving. And, uh, and, and if you're joining us maybe for the first time, you're a guest, just, just know you can be our guest. You're also welcome to participate in this part of worship or any part of worship. But everything uh, that is given to Hosanna goes toward fueling this vision that God has given us. As many of you know it by now, to multiply the hope and the heartbeat of Jesus. And we have four parts to this vision, uh, to grow in faith, to reach the church list, to empower the powerless, and to unify the church. We, we really believe that God's called us to be a part of what God is doing in the South Metro to bring the body of Christ together even more. Because Jesus says, they'll know, they are, they'll know that you are my followers by your love for one another. So we believe that unity, church unity, is super important. Church big C, not just little C, but church big C. Uh, super important. So to that end, uh, there's going to be an email coming out this week. Don't, don't delete it. Don't put it in your junk folder or whatever, okay? Because it's going to be the best email that you've received all week, I promise. And uh, in that email are going to be some updates from me about how we are fulfilling this part of our vision to unify the church, a number of updates about how uh, we are unifying the church at Hosanna. So check that out. Nod your heads wherever you are. We will. Okay. Good. We are starting a series called Anchored. Anchored. And what does an anchor do? What does an anchor do? I'll give you a moment to think about that. It keeps you anchored, right? It keeps you in place. It keeps you from moving. It keeps you from being tossed to and fro. Right? That's what an anchor does. As, as a staff, we spend a lot of time praying about, thinking about. Where are people in their day-to-day lives? What are they dealing with? What do they need more of? And, and as, a, as, a, as a staff, we have prayerfully come to the conclusion that people, we included, uh, we need to experience this idea of being anchored more in our lives. Some of you are nodding already. Being anchored. Because we live in a world where there's a lot going on. Do we not? There's a lot going on from royal weddings Okay, raise your hand if you got up early to watch the, wherever you are, raise your hand. Love there's some guys raising their hands, that's awesome. Uh, the royal wedding. From the royal wedding to this complex conflict that's happening in the Middle East right now and in Israel, uh, to another tragic school shooting, there is a lot going on. And here's what can happen if we're not anchored. If we're not anchored, we can start to drift uh, we, we get caught up in every current that, that wants to take us here, there, and everywhere. And then the storms come. Right? The storms come. And if we're not anchored, we can be thrown way off course and even capsized if we're not anchored, anchored in our lives. 
God wants us to be anchored. He doesn't want us to drift. He doesn't want us to be caught up in every current, you know, every tweet and every news cycle that comes out and every personal up and down and, and failure and success. He wants us to be anchored. More than that, he wants to be our anchor. Did you hear that? God wants to be our anchor. Not just have us be anchored or, or say be anchored. He wants to be our anchor. Now, let me, let me ask you another question about anchors. And, and as, you, as you're discovering, uh, these are not like brain teaser type questions, okay? Uh, as, as you learned from the first one, uh, the, here's another one. What happens if an anchor is not attached to something or there's nothing to attach the anchor? Is an anchor any good? Not at all. In fact, the anchor is useless if there isn't something attaching it, a rope or a chain attaching it to the boat that is our lives. And see, what often happens is that our boat is unattached. God is the anchor. God is always there. But, but we, if we're unattached, we're drifting, we're caught in currents, we're getting capsized by storms that toss us to and fro. Here's another thing that happens. This is more common, I think. We think we're attached to the anchor. We think that we have a chain that will hold us, that is strong enough, that is, you know, hardy enough to hold us steadfast. And really what is the case is that 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 chain that we think is holding us, that's how strong I am, people, all right? (laughs) Don't think that I don't, you know, work out eight days a week. Okay. But we think, we think that the chain that is holding us is strong enough and then the currents come and, and things start to drift and this, this is actually just a, a flimsy plastic chain. And God wants to give us a chain that won't break. He wants to give us something that will attach us to that anchor that is him in our lives that is hardy and unbreakable and unshakable. Right? That even when, when the winds blow and the, the currents start to pick up and the storm raises its ugly head, that there is a chain that can hold us, anchor us, keep us from drifting in, in our lives. So don't you want to know what that, what that chain looks like, what those links in the chain look like? Well, I'm glad you want to know because in this series called Anchored, we are going to look at each of these four links of the chain that can hold us that can keep us attached, keep us anchored. Four links. And they're the same four links that kept Jesus anchored to his Father. We, we can have the same chain that attaches us to God as our anchor in our own lives that Jesus did. And we're gonna read and hear about these four links in a passage of scripture found in Matthew chapter three. So if you have your Bibles and you wanna open them, Matthew chapter three, starting at verse 13. And and I want to give just some quick background, some quick context here, okay? This is the baptism of Jesus, which is fitting, don't you think? Because we're celebrating baptisms today. And and so we're going to look at the baptism of Jesus. We're going to hear about this. Jesus, at this point in his life, has come out of 30 years of relative obscurity, learning the trade of his father, who was a tectone or a construction worker. He worked with his hands, And he's coming out of these 30 years of obscurity, about to begin his ministry, but first he has to be baptized by his eccentric cousin, John the Baptist. Now, do you have an eccentric cousin? If they're here today, point to... No, don't do that. All right. 
John the Baptist. And so we're going to read about the baptism of Jesus. We're going to go a little old school. Some of you grew up doing this. Uh, when the gospel was read, we, we stood, right? Didn't we growing up? So would you do that right now? Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The gospel according to Matthew, the third chapter, beginning at the 13th verse. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him, and a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. Here ends the reading of the gospel. You may be seated. You may be seated. So here we see in Jesus' baptism four links, four chain links that keep him attached, that keep him anchored to his father. As he now from his baptism will go and be tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights, and then he will begin his ministry. He hasn't even begun his ministry yet, but he, he will, but, but he will do so in a way that keeps him from drifting, that keeps him from being caught in every current that he will face, and even the storms that he will face keeps him attached. And these four links, you ready for them? These four links that we're going to look at in this series that Jesus receives from his Father are identity, love, delight, and place. Identity, love, delight, and place. These are four links in a chain that keeps Jesus attached to the anchor, his heavenly Father, so that he goes through his ministry and his life. He is not pulled here and there and everywhere. He is able to stand firm and carry out the, the calling that God had given him. And we too, if you want to stay attached to an anchor, I should say. If you want to stay anchored. If you don't want to drift. If you don't want to get caught in every current and every tweet and every news cycle. If you want to avoid getting completely capsized by storms. Then... You want to know these links that will keep us attached, all four of them. And by the way, this, uh, this, these con- this concept of four gifts or four links in the chain, as we're referring to them, uh, are also found in a book that our staff went through on a staff retreat. The book's called Father God, Daring to Draw Near. It talks about these four gifts. We're calling them four links in the chain that we receive uh, from our Father God that keeps us attached, keeps us anchored. Now, I want you to note something that is super important. It's really important. And, 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 and if we miss this, we miss a whole lot of what's happening here. Jesus receives these four gifts, these four links in this unbreakable chain before he's done a thing in ministry. Before he has performed a single teaching, before he has performed a single miracle, before he has done anything to prove himself or achieve or earn or, you know, do anything to deserve These free gifts, God gives them to him. Super important. Because the same can be true of us. That we just, we don't have to earn it, we don't have to deserve it, we don't have to achieve it. We just receive these gifts, these links in a chain. Again, it's so, so fitting. We didn't even plan this. I love it when this happens. That that we're doing, we're celebrating baptisms today. 
You know, we baptize infants and adults here, and sometimes people who come from a different background, they'll ask, well, how can you baptize infants? I mean, they don't even know what's going on when it's happening. Sometimes they're even asleep or whatever. And I said, exactly. That's how free this gift of God's grace is. That's how, that's how much it is dependent upon him freely giving his love and his mercy and his forgiveness and extending this gift to us before we can do a single thing. I mean, babies aren't doing much, but eating and burping and sleeping and, you know, all that stuff that we don't really want to think about in a church service. But, but that does, that's not what it's about. It's God extending this gift, this free gift, before we've done a thing. Whether we're children or adults, it's extended to us. Now, like with any gift, at some point, if it really is going to make any difference, you've got to open it, Right? I mean, gift isn't much use if we don't open it at some point in our lives. And the same is true of children that we baptize or anyone that we baptize. It doesn't really matter much unless you open this gift eventually. But the gift itself is extended freely. And these, these links in the chain that can keep you attached, that is, if you don't want to drift and get caught up in every current in your life again, they're freely given. Before you do a thing to earn them or deserve them, or you can't, frankly, <laughs> to earn them or do enough to achieve these, they're freely given to you. So we're gonna talk, we're gonna look at these four links throughout this series. And by the way, every link is important. In other words, don't miss a single week of this series, right? Because if you you wanna stay attached, if you wanna stay anchored in your life, each one is important. But we're gonna talk about the first one, which in many ways is, is, is primary, is the first one that we need to understand. And that is the, the link or the gift of identity. Identity. You know your true identity? Jesus did. His identity, his core identity, can be summed up by by four words that he heard from his father at his baptism. His core identity, if you say, Jesus, who are you more than anything else? What is at the core of who you are? These four words. This is my son. The core of Jesus' identity, who he is, not just who he is, whose he is, this is my son. Him knowing that, him knowing that that he is God's son, kept him attached, kept him anchored. And the same has to be true for us. That is, if we want to stay attached, if we want to stay anchored, if we don't want to get caught up in every drift and every current and every storm, we have to know our true identity. We think we do sometimes. This world sure tries to slap identities on us or we readily assume them and we you know, accept them. But none of them are your true identity like this one. This is my son. This is my child. Or let's put it in the first person. I am God's child. That's your true identity. People can say whatever they want. You can say whatever you want. You were created to know your true identity. Here it is. I am God's child. Is that what's keeping you attached? Is that what's keeping you anchored? Because when you know when you know you are God's child, when you know you're his, and he's saying this over you just like he said over Jesus, that's my kid. 
That's my boy. That's my girl. That's my child. It changes. When you know that, it changes everything. It changes everything. did for me. Some of you know my story. You know, you think he's a pastor. It's always come easy for him. He's probably just had this, you know, easy peasy life, and it's not true. Over 20 years ago, 20 years old, I, I was at rock bottom. Rock bottom in my life. I was at the bottom of a pit. I truly, sincerely, I'm not exaggerating, over-dramatizing this, did not want to live anymore. I would call it an identity, it was an identity crisis. The world had been telling me, you're this, you're that, you're supposed to be this and that. And those chains started to break, yeah? And I was left with this just big old mess of a, an identity crisis. Who am I? And this caring, loving counselor, I'll never forget, he said, sit down on the floor, I just want you to get a different perspective. And he held a mirror up in front of me, he said, what do you see, who do you see? And honestly, at that point in my life, I didn't like what I saw. He said, well, let me tell you, let me tell you what I see. He said, I see a child. I see a precious child. Not just any child, a child of God. That's a child of me. God's child. That's who you are. That became a turning point in my life. That's where I really start to get anchored in my life. Because I, I had the core, that hole in my soul that could only be filled by knowing that I am God's child more than anything else that might identify me. That, that was a turning point. I started to be anchored and things didn't cause me to shift and, and you know, go every which way anymore. And, and I believe one of the reasons I'm here, that I'm a pastor, that I'm even talking to you today or wherever you're hearing this, whenever you're hearing this, is that God wants you to know that too. That's the core of your identity, that you are a precious child of God. Well, how can you know that you're a child of God? Again, not that complicated. John, Gospel of John, chapter one, verse 12 says, whoever believed in him, who's him, Jesus, and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children, a child of God. So if you believe in Jesus, and he is who he says he is, He's the Messiah, he's the Savior, that he died on the cross for our sins, that he rose again. If you believe that and you accept him, you are his child. And and maybe let's make it even more simple. Then what it means to be God's child is simply saying yes to Jesus. Just saying yes. You can't earn it, you can't deserve it, you can't achieve it. All you can do is receive it as a free gift and then open it up and say, yep, I want to live into my true identity. I want to know that at the core of who I am and, and whose I am is I am a child of God. That's my identity. You know, this past Friday, uh, the Twin Cities Church, Church Big C, uh, held an event called Pulse Twin Cities. 750 churches participated. I'm smiling because I love the thought of the church coming together. It's not just about individual church, but the whole church, the body of Christ. 40,000 people showed up for this event. And catch this. Eight, uh, seven, just over 7,000 people responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ and said yes to him. Yeah, I think we can clap for that. Whew. Yes, I'm a child of God. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. I'm a child of God more than anything else. And people, you can say Yes, maybe you've never said yes before. Well, there's nothing, there's nothing, as far as God's concerned, there's nothing standing in the way of you saying yes. 
and knowing that you're a child of God. You can do that today. Do that in this moment. You can do that later with a, a prayer team member. You can say yes. Tim, now, there, are, there any, are there any benefits to being a child of God? If you are one, that's a silly question, isn't it? If you know you're a child of God, are there any benefits to being a, How long do we have to talk about this? I mean, we, we, literally, we could talk forever about the benefits of knowing that your true identity is, is I'm, a child, I'm a child of God. But as I've prepared for this message, uh, there, there are two words that kind of sum up, I think, a lot of what it means to be a child of God. Two words that start with F, right? Now, speaking of words that start with F, people getting nervous in here. It's kind of a random story, but uh, did anyone else grow up uh, learning the alphabet this way? Okay, learning the alphabet. Uh, just, I hope there's someone there where you learned little sayings that go with each letter to tell you the sound. So it was like beating heart, beating heart, buh, buh. Anybody? Nope, no one, all right? What school did this guy go to? It was like knocking door, knocking door, duh, duh. No one? All right, duh, duh, duh. And then F, this was the best. F was fighting cat, fighting cat. It's creepy, right? I mean, I've had, I've had a negative bias toward cats ever since kindergarten because of that. Like, they all want to fight, right? That has nothing to do with what I'm going to talk about right now. Just random memory. Okay, so F, words that start with F. What, what does it mean to be a child of God? Two words, both start with F. And the first is, when you know that your identity is a child of God, you know that you are favored. You know that you are favored, that you are a favorite of God. That you're one of God's favorites. When you're a child of God, any child of God, you're, you're fav- in fact, let's just try this on and say these three words with me, I am favored. Would you try this wherever you are? I am favored. Some of you said that way too easily, like... You grew up in a house where, you know, you, you knew you were your parents, or you at least thought you were your, your parents' favorite child, my brother. Right. <laughs> and parents, we really don't have favorites, do we? At least that we would admit to publicly. Anyway, my kids are listening. So, but then there are some of you that are going, ah, I don't know. Favorite? Favored? God, he must have better options, right? <laughs> than me. There must, have, there must be other better options to have as his favorites. And that must have been what Mary was thinking, the Mary, the mother of Jesus, when an angel shows up and, and says, greetings, O favored one, to Mary. I mean, she's like, what? She's a peasant girl. She's anonymous. Talk about obscurity. She's a teenage girl. And if you've raised girls, how many of you would say that that was your favorite Time. <laughs> now, I, I don't hear me wrong. I mean, Mary was a special girl and, and had a special calling. But, but that's not the main point. That's not why the angel says, oh, favored one, to Mary or to any of us who are a child of God. It's not about how we see ourselves or what we've done. It's about how God sees us. It's about what he's done, that he's given his son so that we can know that we are his children and that we are favored. That we, he looks at us like, that's my favorite right there. I'm, I, I got some favor for that one. Would you hear that today? 
Not because of how you see yourself looking in a mirror or how you think you need to do this or that, but because of how God sees you, because of what he says about you. You are favored. Now, if a team or an individual is competing in some kind of contest, knows that, that they're favored, how do they feel? I mean, how do you feel when you know you're favored, when you're the favorite to win? You're feeling pretty good. You're feeling pretty confident. You don't want to get overconfident or cocky here, but you're feeling like, okay, we got this. I'm favored. I- I'm going to win. <laughs> it might be hard. It might be a battle. It might be a, but I am favored. Do you know that? God favors you. He wants to pour out his favor. You're his child. Get the thoughts out of your head about, well, I've done this or that. That's not what it's about. It's about what he's done and how he sees you and your true identity that he has made possible through Jesus Christ. You are, a chi- you are God's child, and he favors you. He's got a twinkle in his eye for you. It's true. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a parent of three boys, and I'm trying imperfectly. I don't do it perfectly all the time, but I'm trying to represent the heart of God, the God the Father to my sons. And so occasionally I will say things to them like, you know, you are my favorite four-year-old in the whole world. Or, you know, if I could choose any eight-year-old in the whole world, you know what? I'd choose you. Oh, come on, Dad. No, I would. I'd choose you. So a four-year-old, I said, you know, I, if I could choose any four-year-old, I'd choose you. And he goes, Dad, thanks. He goes, if I could choose any parent, I'd choose Mom. <laughs> Mama's boys. All right. But, but you hear that? Do you hear that? He could choose anyone in the world. He'd choose you. He did choose you. Jesus says, it's not that you chose me. It's that I chose you, Jesus says. I, I chose you. I favor you. I del- <laughs> Please hear that. When, when you know your child, you are favored. That makes you walk a little different, live a little different. Less apt to get swept up in the currents, right? Here's the other word that starts with F. When you know you're a child of God, you are fearless. You are fearless. You you are fearless. Let's try that one on. If I know I'm a child of God, I am fearless. Say that with me. I am fearless. I'm fearless. I love this verse. It's 1 John 4, 18. It says, perfect love casts out fear. What casts out fear? Perfect love. When you know that you are God's child, when that's your identity, and by the way, there's only one way, one place to experience perfect love, and that's from, from God the Father, the only perfect one. When you know that you have, are loved perfectly as a child of God, fear starts to get out of, of town in your life. Because you know, you're, you're there. And we're gonna talk more about love next week. That's another key link to the chain what it means to know love, to have this gift, like real love, perfect love that casts out fear. What do kids say sometimes? Kids say sometimes, my dad can beat up your dad. Maybe some of you said that. Some of you meant it. You're like, you saw him, all right? And, and it's actually true, not that our, our God, the Father, you know, some cosmic bully just pushing other dads around. But our dad, our heavenly father, our dad, 
dad is stronger than anything or anyone we could ever come up against. He created the universe. He's in charge of things. He, he's, our dad is stronger than anyone, anything. He's our dad. He's our father. He's with us. Fear. Now, we live in the South Metro, you know, Twin Cities, so we, are, we don't have any fear, do we? I mean, honestly, you could make the case that the, 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 the South Metro suburbs or any suburbs in anywhere in Minnesota, you could say it may be one of the safest places to live in the entire country, if not the entire world. And trust me, I've lived in other places. And yet there's fear. There's fear. Fear of losing. Fear of getting. You know, fear of failing. Fear of succeeding. Fear of people who are different than us. People, fear of people who are too much like us. Fear. I had the thought recently that, you know, in a, in a community that's fairly affluent, not everybody, but a lot of people have a lot, and the more you have, the more you have to lose. Fear. A lot of fear. Think about fear. Most of the time, we don't know when we're being driven by fear. We don't realize it. It's the very nature of fear. It shuts our brains down. It's how God made us to respond in fear, fight, or flight. Our brains shut down, and we no longer think rationally. So most of the time when we are being driven by fear, when fear's in the driver's seat, we have no idea because we're not thinking rationally. But it's what causes us to act anxiously or in anger or be irritated or whatever it is. It's usually fear that's driving us. So if you can't live without fear in South Metro Twin Cities, Minnesota, where can you live without fear? Nowhere except for one place. And that is knowing your true identity, that you are God's child. Your dad is stronger than anything or anyone. Your father, he's got it. Even if the worst case scenario happens, when you know that God is your father and your identity is I am a child of God, you, you know he's got you even into eternity. Even in, in through the hardest storms of this life, you can stay Anchored when you know God is, I'm God's child. In in, in some ways, I mean, it's like you cannot lose. You can live life like, I I can't lose. I I mean, I, I can't lose because God, I'm God's child. I'm favored and I'm fearless. When we know we're God's child, maybe. You know, maybe it's not realistic, we're still human, and we won't have you know, no fear, and we, some of that we need to work through. I'm not saying just dismiss fear. And it's not, it is something we have to work through. But, but at the very least, we can fear less in our lives, fear less and less and less when we know that I'm God's child. And when you know that, you can start to kind of walk a little bit different. You can live a little different. You don't get pulled every which way as much anymore. Because you're not, you're not operating out of fear. You're operating out of this love, identity. I'm a child of God. You can start to live with a little swag. And I'm not talking about cocky, you know, overconfident swag, but a little like stand up a little taller. Yeah? I'm so glad it's spring. Anyone else glad it's spring and summer? All right? We can, yeah, we can thank God for that too. All right? And, and I don't know, people are starting to act like, whoo, funny, euphoric and giddy and all that. And even animals, have you noticed animals? I mean, they're like acting crazy, out of sorts. 
I was it after this, after this, uh, just to be outside, you know, and even the ones that hibernate during the winter, they're out and about. And I was after this pulse event and, and right there in the middle of urban Minneapolis was a rabbit right in the middle of the road. Like just so happy it's spring, I think is what he was thinking. But we have a duck, a duck that's uh, started coming around our house. Happy that it's spring and acting a little out of character or whatever. And, and the boys started feeding this duck uh, some popcorn. So he kept, she kept coming back. He or she, I don't know how you tell on a duck. But anyway, kept coming back. And, uh, and, and they, they nicknamed her Poppy, Poppy for popcorn. And this duck started feeling so comfortable or fearless. The other day, Poppy just walked, waddled right into our house. And there's a picture right there. <laughs> You ever had a duck just waddle right into your house? I'm telling you, that duck is fearless. Not worried about me, you know, taking, taking care of it or making dinner out of it or anything. That duck's like, I'm at home here. This is, I'm safe here. I can feel confident in here. You see where I'm going with this? When you know you're a child of God, like you, you, you're at home you're feeling safe. You're not looking over your shoulder. What's going to happen to me? I, God has got me. He's got my back. My, I'm, a, I'm God's child. If you want to be attached, if you want to be anchored, it starts with this core identity, this link in the chain. I'm God's child. How do we stay anchored? Well, I'm telling you, and just pastorally, I love you enough to tell you this. We live in a world that is constantly trying to steal our true identity from us constantly. Every day, every moment is trying to give us a false identity and steal our true identity, constantly. And so what we need to stay attached and stay anchored is identity theft protection. We need identity theft protection. I just want to share three thoughts along those lines with you uh, that, that will help us think about how do we stay attached, how do we stay anchored, particularly this link in the chain of our true identity. I'm a child of God. The first one is avoid lapses. Now, if you've ever had a warranty or insurance, when when do you usually need it? When it expires. It's true of our identity getting stolen too. The moment we let up, the moment we lapse and we stop thinking about and stop going to God for our true identity, that's boom, that's exactly when it happens. And, and we, in, in, in the place of our true identity, we assume a false identity. We start living it out. We start living in fear. We start living where we're drifting and we're getting caught up in currents when we lapse. And this is, I haven't been able to shake this one. Because I know there are people today who have been lapsed for so long. You don't even realize it. You are living an identity that this world handed you. And it's something so much less than your true identity. But it's been so long, you're just like, well, this must be it. This is life. This is it. And would you hear today that you have a true identity where you get infinite value, inestimable worth from? Hear that. Some of you, to please... Like, let it shock your system a little bit. Out of the stupor, walking through life. Avoid lapses. Another important piece to this is we need weekly updates. Weekly updates. 
where, where we are being kind of renewed and refilled and restored. That's why we come together to worship on a weekly basis, not occasionally or sometimes, if you want to stay attached, if you want to stay anchored. It's up to you. No one's forcing you. But this weekly experience, we, have, we put a lot of time into preparing for this. Did you know that? We don't just show up and say, hey, well, we got something. I mean, I put 20, just the sermon alone, 20 hours just to get this ready for you. Not just so you can have a good time, although I hope you do, not just so you can come occasionally when it's convenient, so that you come to get refilled and your identity gets renewed and reattached and reconnected so that you are less inclined to drift and get caught up in currents and get capsized by storms. That's why we come together as a corporate body of believers. I wonder why are so many people adrift out there? Not getting their weekly updates. Man, I love you when I say this. Get your weekly updates. We come together. If you're visiting us, go to the church that you go to. And then lastly, we need daily monitoring. Daily monitoring. Daily. Because see, if you you don't receive and say yes to your true identity, this world will be happy to hand you one. Another one. A lesser one. A false one. Be happy to hand you one. I just had two pastoral conversations recently. One guy who retired early. He was, he was really blessed to be able to retire early and he is adrift because he had put his whole identity in his career, which this was very successful and very high powered. And now he's going, I don't know who I am anymore. I, I talked to people whose kids grow up and now they're empty nesters and our whole identity was in raising kids and we don't know who we are anymore. I talked to someone recently who's hearing voices like, you're not worthy. You should be ashamed. You could never be loved by God. Your true identity, that's all a lie. Your true identity is, I am God's child. And I'm favored and I'm fearless. And daily I'm going to, to you know, through scripture and through prayer and through affirmations like the one, ones I've been putting out there. Like, I am God's child. I am favored. I am fearless. I'm anchored. Would you just try that this week? Even just humor me. Just try it. Put those affirmations in front of you morning and night and see if it doesn't start to change how you live your life. See if you are less inclined to get, you know, drifting off somewhere or caught up in currents. If it doesn't work for you, I'm so confident that it will work for you that I say this. You can never do it again, but you won't. You will do it again. We, when we know our true identity, we can say the wind may come, the water, the currents may come, storms may come, but I will not be moved. I will not be moved because I am anchored into God, my, my heavenly Father, and I have a true identity that will hold, that will hold, even when the earth gives way. I will not be moved. We're going to sing about that in just a moment, this song. And when we do, when we sing, especially those words, we will not be moved, would you say them as a declaration for your life? We will not be moved. But first, I want to pray for you. Let's pray. God, thank you that you have made it possible for us to know who we really are. Not who this world tells us we are. Not who someone growing up told us we were or we weren't. Not who we think we're supposed to be, but who we really are. 
we are your child. And if we simply believe and accept that this has been given to us as a free gift and we say yes, we can have this link in the chain that will keep us attached and anchored through the currents and the storms of life. Lord, I pray for every whole heart, every, every home, God, that you would anchor them even deeper into your love and into your truth, into their true identity. I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Let's sing now, both campuses.